Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to Are You For Real? My name's Tom, and with me as always is Grant. Hello, me. It's uh, me again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. We have got a fantastic episode for you guys today. It's going to be a little review of a little movie slash documentary called The Hunt for the Skinwalker, directed by Jeremy Kenyon Locker Corbell. That's his full name. Grant and I have watched this movie 1.75 times. We didn't make it all the way through the second time. Yeah. Uh, for reasons we'll discuss throughout this. Uh, but anyway, it's a very, um, it, it's an interesting trip. And we'll get into it. I'll let Grant take it away. He took some very exhaustive, furious, um, uh, I'm trying to think of what other it, adjectives to use for his notes here. It became a, what is that, a screed <laughs> by the end of it? Uh, a, hen, a chicken scratch? Hen scratch? <laughs> well, we've watched we've watched a couple Corbell flicks, some, some Corbell joints. Um, we haven't really talked about them too much. We talked a little bit about the Area 51 and Bob Lazar one um, in the Bob Lazar episodes. Yes. Um, this seems like your typical Corbell joint, I think. What was the other one we watched? That was uh, we pro- watched Patient Seventeen. Patient Seventeen. We haven't done a podcast on that one. No, no. If you guys like this episode, we do. Uh, shoot us some emails, uh, reviews, whatever, and let us know if you'd like us to do a um, Patient Seventeen one as well. That's another Corbell joint. It's kind of interesting, but it has kind of the same flaws that all of Corbell's movies have. Where at the end, you're just kind of scratching your head. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, anyway. So I. What did you think of this movie, Tom? I, I'm not a huge Corbell fan. The the more I watch from him, the less I uh, want to watch more of his movies, basically. Um, yes. I think it's worth noting it has a 4.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, yeah. Um, and here here's my little caveat here. I never like um, taking people's art and just eviscerating it uh, yeah. because you can tell that this was a labor of love for him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We're gonna, it, in all fairness, he worked, you can tell he worked really hard on this uh, in terms of the editing anyway. And um, I don't want to just poop all over someone's art. Having said that, I think this was an incredibly ineffective documentary. And I think that um, I know the subject matter is inherently mysterious this skinwalker ranch that we're going to talk about is inherently mysterious, but the way he uh, decided to construct the documentary just made it seem unnecessarily cryptic. And um, just, he once again made it just as much about himself as he did about the subject matter. He said, I think at one point uh, he went from being, a passive observer to an active participant, which I think is inevitable for a lot of documentary filmmakers. However, the level of active participation on his point, uh, on his part, um, was over the top, in my opinion. And we will discuss that as we go through Grant's notes here. That that seems to be his style too. A lot of 
a lot of footage of him sitting there talking to his phone. There wasn't that much in this movie particularly, but I, I remember that kind of in the last couple movies. Um, yeah, he just, it is mysterious subjects and they are pretty dense, but he's just not, I, I hate to pile on anybody either, you know, but uh, we're going to probably do some piling on here. Yeah, we are. And I think just by the nature of him putting it out there for public consumption, he's got to expect that people are going to pile on him. And I'm sure he's got thick skin. So it's a, I mean, it's a current controversial topic, you know, the paranormal or sure. aliens. So my beef is not with the topic itself. My beef is with his style of filmmaking. He just doesn't tend to lend a lot of credibility to the subjects that he's talking about. I don't think. No, um, I don't. I, he takes away from it. And it, he is, uh, I think he's an incredibly distracting personality. I think his editing is incredibly distracting. Um, and I understand a lot of times people want to make movies that are interesting and they want to make movies that keep people's attention. But when you're doing all sorts of jump cuts and unnecessary flashy subtitle type things for things that have no, for no reason, uh, it just, it irritates the hell out of me. And that's just me personally. I, I suspect you feel the same way, Grant. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a lot of this just comes off like a home movie that he was trying to make really interesting. I mean, I was worried about the movie just being a lot of talking heads, which it kind of was. And then he tries to make it more interesting. But the way he does that is by showing endless footage of like panning shots of, of the big open sky or the, what do you call it? The desert or the plains of Utah. Yeah. Um, or putting putting text up of the people talking which is yeah and some of that is fine i yeah. mean I, you want to set the scene i want to know what it looks like at the skinwalker ranch and i want right. to know what the area around the skinwalker ranch looks like sure um but just too much of it i think right um and they're the most interesting parts for me were the talking heads yeah exactly um, I think it would have been better served. I mean, that's kind of what uh, Mirage Men was, and I think that's a much better, better yeah, documentary. Absolutely. And, I mean, you don't need that. If someone's telling an interesting story, you can just focus on them telling the story. No, um, and this and this topic itself is rife uh, with interesting people, and it's ripe for discussion. Right. Um, and I think that having that Corbell's choices his artistic choices and i think his own ego kind of uh take away from it yeah um well let's uh let's kind of get into the subject here so i i knew a little bit about skinwalker ranch before we watched this movie yes um did you know anything about it i'd or? heard the name and i knew that there was uh supposed paranormal stuff going on down there right it's a it's a dense subject. Uh, it's a dense movie. You know, they they jump from subject to subject pretty quick, and it's, it's just hard to make a narrative out of it. It's basically like a place where a bunch of strange stuff happens, including UFOs, including strange boogeymen or or just strange creatures. Portal, possible portals to yeah, another dim dimension. Yeah, dimensional portals have been reported there. Um, strange, large, like direwolves. Yes, that you can't kill. Um, they mentioned Bigfoot a couple times. I never saw anyone talk about Bigfoot or that was just in the narration mostly or people talking about the place like people have seen Bigfoot. Yes. And this is an area, just to preface it, the Skinwalker Ranch is in an area in northeastern Utah. 
which is primarily populated by indigenous people. I think it's the Ute tribe. Um, and I guess, according to the documentary, um, the first uh, reported incident of um, paranormal activity happening around there was from one of the uh, quote-unquote colonizers of the area. I think like a Catholic priest named Father something or other. Right, like but a missionary. We, or yeah, a missionary, but. exactly. That's what I was looking for. Um, but we never found out in the documentary what the the missionary's report was. All we know is that this missionary apparently uh, had some writings involving paranormal stuff that was happening in the Uinta Basin is what the area is called. It would have been interesting to get his perspective on these kinds of events yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, um, if, if a dude from the 1700s or 1600s or whenever it was starts talking about strange lights in the sky, that's interesting to me. That's right. that. And, yeah. um, I, I wonder if he actually saw anything firsthand or if he was just relaying stories from the, the local tribesmen or or something like that, you know, but it's not really clear. It just kind of glosses over it. Like this is the first guy that reported anything about it, I guess is what it says. It is not clear. Yeah. It wasn't clear for me, uh, whether it was, uh, he, his firsthand experiences or if it was, um, other people's experiences relayed to him. Well, let's, yeah, let's kind of go through the notes here that, you know, I was taking them as we watched the movie. So it'll kind of go through the narrative of the, of the film as well. And we can kind of comment on it as we go. Sounds sure. Like good, good route. Sounds like a great idea. So it, yeah, it starts like, uh, I think it might've even had the same intro as the Bob Lazar movie with, they use a lot of filters. It looks kind of like a nineties MTV music video is what I was reminded of. in a lot of times, yeah, it looks like he's climbing out of, um, like where, uh, like a crater or something like that. It looks like he's climbing out of an impact crater maybe. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, Corbell is very, he uses very, um, flowery language to talk about the paranormal uh mm -hmm. his Which, overriding theme seems to be like if you don't believe what i'm telling you you're the one that's got problems <laughs> yeah. you know? i got that sense too um and he he does have a very prosaic way of putting things putting everything but when you're talking about a subject like this i don't really like that Right, I want to cut to the just to the, the meat. facts, please. Right. Exactly, Dragnet, just the facts, ma'am. I mean, uh, it, yeah, these stories are pretty mind blowing. So you don't need a bunch of flowery language, and, and right. you don't need to tell me that I should be blown away by these no. facts. No, and you know, I'm just paraphrasing here. But when you get stuff like, we live in a universe where the universe is universal, and everyone's universe is versed in unis. <laughs> yeah that sounds about right yeah i don't think that's a direct quote that is not i was completely paraphrasing but that's kind of but it could be like it the events seem to flow like a river through the valley and lapping up at the edges right <laughs> oh here's one that is pretty much a direct quote the area can be no can be kind of corrosive like acid <laughs> right? so like i know what corrosive means man like exactly. you don't need to you don't need to explain to me what corrosive means anyway enough about that so, yeah, not the best notes here, I guess. Was, well, the, another thing I wanted to touch on is the reason we wanted to watch it again is because we, we watched it less than a week ago, and um, both of us didn't really remember the movie that well, not because of any substances or anything like that, just because it's kind of like a mind-numbing movie. It is. Um, there's not a lot. 
I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair, but yeah, there's not a lot to focus on, you know? Um, I was really looking forward to this movie, and I left feeling like there was nothing resolved. And I get that that is part that comes with the territory when you're talking about paranormal stuff, when you're talking about UFO activity. Um, you're left with more questions than answers a lot of the times. However, again, the way this was presented was mind-numbing, as you said, Grant. There was some some intriguing footage, but it only lasts, honestly, like maybe for a total of 30 seconds if you compiled them all of actual like video evidence or pictures or anything like that. Um, and you don't really get that until about 45 minutes, 50 minutes into the movie. The movie's two hours long, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what you get are secondhand accounts, not even firsthand accounts. There are a few firsthand accounts, but yes. And some of those were pretty compelling. Right. And, and that comes down to, so they they seem to claim there's some kind of intelligence around there. That's what the skinwalker is. I guess we should get into that. That's kind of like in Indian lore, the skinwalker is kind of like some trickster spirit, um, that can take many different forms. Yes. From what I understand, I don't know. Um, and so that's kind of what they deal with. So it's supposed to be a UFO hotspot around there. And they, they the tell U- a lot of, they, they build that up for quite a bit in the movie. Yeah. In the Uinta Basin, apparently, like we said, for centuries, there's been tales of um, ghost, like poltergeist type activity, uh, malicious poltergeist, not even just right. like the, not even just the door slamming kind. We're talking about the... Uh, cattle mutilating a lot of mutilated cattle yeah yeah they had some footage of that too which is which is interesting to see because it is it's crazy man one of them was like clean off the bone you know and no blood around or anything like that i think there are some there are plenty of earthly explanations for that though in terms of cattle mutilations and another reason this is uh such a kind of a big in the paranormal world is because uh robert bigelow who's also kind of associated with with uh, ATIP, well, he is associated with ATIP. We went over that, mm-hmm. um, and works with the U.S. government quite a bit. Um, he also works with NASA, I believe. He's um, uh, he's a really wealthy dude. I yeah, guess. I think he runs. Uh, he has a, a tea company. I, I, no, no, he does. No, no, that's a that's not related though. Oh, I it's think. not. No, because okay. that was one of the things. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> another big big guy in this is George Knapp. So also with Lazar, he's kind of the one that broke the story of this. There's actually a book hunt for the Skinwalker as well. Um, co-authored with, do you remember his name? Collier or something? Uh, or? Comb, column, something or other. I got I it right here. I wrote it down. I have it. It is Column Kelleher, PhD. And um, so we'll get into some of these stories here of what actually happened. But the, as far as the movie, so it starts off, it actually starts off, George Knapp is kind of a co-host on this one, I would think. Yes, um, and George Knapp is an investigative journalist from Vegas. Right. We talked about him a bit. In, um, well, I guess we didn't really go over him too much in Bob Lazar, but uh, what I understand is he broke the Bob Lazar story originally. Right. And that was kind of his first uh, foray into the paranormal world or the UFO lore, and um, it seems like he's kind of built a career off that since then. Yes. Um I mean, honestly, I, I trust him a lot more than Jeremy Corbell, or he's he's better reporter at least. Yeah. Um, but he still seems like kind of a hype man as well. Um, it starts off with a clip of him talking about how the the lid's about to be blown off the whole UFO phenomenon, 
and they're actually referencing all the the three videos that we covered that a tip really or not a tip but uh, to the stars academy released right and they actually show pictures of uh i don't think that did they show tic tac i don't think they showed tic tac yeah i think they showed they showed tic tac they showed a couple of them yeah they showed a couple i think they showed tic tac yeah yeah and um but i think they showed all three of them because i I guess this movie came out right around then um right around when those videos were released you know right so they start actually the movie with um clips they start this movie with clips of ufos uh that we've already discussed right and um that have nothing to do with skinwalker ranch right by the way these are the well we don't know because we don't really know what those videos were anyway but as far as we know they have nothing to do with skinwalker exactly they're filmed off the coast of san diego there's no real reason to link them besides the ufo phenomenon but um right and uh george knapp he ends a couple of the early interviews just like raising his eyebrows and walking off the screen without answering the question. And I don't know if that is just cheeky editing by uh, Mr. Corbell or if uh, he's trying to be deliberately coy about about, uh, not revealing information. I think Knapp has a a bit of a dramatic flair to him. He does. And I, you know, he's, he's an investigative journalist. I get it. You don't want to reveal your sources. And if you want to, if you want to keep having sources, you don't want to, you don't want to burn them. I believe the first one he says, uh, "Oh yeah, this is going to blow the lid off." Nap is saying, "You know, this is going to blow the lid off the phenomenon, and and hopefully people will take it more seriously." And then Corbell asks him, "Well, is are these is this related to the Skinwalker Ranch at all?" And he Nap just, just kind of raises his eyebrows and, and walks, walks towards the camera, or walks off screen towards the camera. Right. Um, and then we fade into um, basically Corbell hyping up the movie that you're about to watch. Um, explaining that I'm kind of repeating myself here, but uh, Bigelow and his research team called NIDS, which is uh, the National Institute for Discovery Science, um, have spent, what is it, like 10, 20 years studying the ranch. Bigelow owned the ranch for a while, and then he sold it to a company that I think is associated with... It's a shell company. Uh, right. Yeah. Associated with... Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams, the, the, the uh, pop singer. The UK the pop singer. Yeah, which is who makes an appearance in this movie. Um, I actually, I, I listened to like a five or six part series on Bigelow um, on a, a podcast called the Mad Scientist Podcast. And it's kind of like a skeptical UFO podcast. And he, he does not trust Bigelow at all. He kind of doesn't trust all the researchers. And that's a lot of the NIDS team, I believe, is also associated or part of To The Stars Academy. So he, mm-hmm. it kind of gives you a different perspective on there, but they're, they're totally skeptical about it. Um, I was thinking NIDS, it might be better called uh, National Institute for Paranormal Science. Yeah. That would be a better acronym, I think, NIPS. NIPS. Or, or maybe yeah. a National Academy for... Uh, Discovery Science. NADS. Yeah. I think, yeah, NIPS or NADS, I think, would be more appropriate. More memorable. Yes. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> and more accurate. Yeah. More importantly. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's a, a bunch of intriguing flashes of, in the very beginning, I don't know if you remember this, but, you know, like dead cow carcasses and then uh, him talking about 20 years. These guys have been researching. There's flashes of text like 20 years and quote the story can be told and they keep hinting at like how how nap has all this information but it can't be released um 
because and they don't explicitly say it as far as I could tell after two times of watching it. But I think Bigelow, the owner of the ranch at the time, would not allow them to release it. Yeah, I think that's what they I mean, they they kind of make it clear, but they don't just say like I couldn't release it because Bigelow wouldn't let me or didn't right. want to release. It whatever. would have been much better if they were like, hey, due to a non-disclosure agreement with Robert Bigelow or. And again, that's kind of I mean, I guess the public's different. I don't know what 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 Bigelow released to uh, the government or whatever for a $22 million grant for a tip or, or stuff like that, you know, but um, I mean, that's hype, you know, is kind of like the beginning of this movie. Like, well, I, I'm not going to get into details, but trust me, it'll blow your mind. You right. Know? Right. Um, and I'm, we, the whole time you're waiting for your mind to be blown. Right. Long story short, my mind is still very much intact. Maybe we were too cynical. I mean, there's some crazy stories here, but there's no sure. There's no reason to take them as anything other than stories, really. Um, but I mean, eh, I mean, it, you either believe or not. And and from what Jeremy Corbell says, uh, quote, "I was like you until I wasn't." <laughs> so, <laughs> um. I kind of want to be. Like uh, is that implying Kura. he's reached some level of enlightenment that I have yet to I achieve? I guess he, he saw he... some stuff that he uh, didn't share with us during the filming of the movie, really. But um, God, you know what I mean. Uh, and then it it shows a lot of him getting ready to make this movie. He, they make a big deal out of he has access to all of Knapp's documents that no one has seen before and has not been released to the public and. Right, because George Knapp was allowed unprecedented access to the Skinwalker right. Ranch for 20 years. Right, and and then they have another interview with Knapp talking about Skinwalker in particular and, and these videos and like, this is all the stuff you have? Yeah, this is it. And he explains what you just said. And and then he asks, you know, he's like, is, is there new stuff that hasn't been released? He's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So I don't know. I haven't read the book or anything, so I don't know what's in there. Um but that's a little older than this documentary. The book obviously. came out in 2005. And a, a big portion of this movie is George Knapp's documentary footage. That is extremely important for us to emphasize. This movie could have been made by George Knapp, and I think it would have been much better if it were just George Knapp talking about his experiences at Skinwalker Ranch. It, and if he were the editor uh, editing his his own news footage, because... As Grant and I were kind of talking about before we started this podcast, it seems like um, Knapp could have um, maybe pitched this as a TV show or something and nobody bought it. Right. And or a so, documentary. You yeah. Or a documentary. Or something. Yeah, and exactly. Corbell's like, I'll snap that up. Right. Uh, I can get some money behind this or whatever. I remember him hyping this originally on the Bob Lazar interview too and talking about how he's making a movie about Skinwalker and how the public just doesn't know yet, you know. Are you talking about who? Uh, with Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan experience. The, Corbell did that? Or, yeah. Or yeah, when, Knapp did. Uh, Corbell, because it was Corbell and uh, <coughs> Bob Lazar in the interview and, you know, Corbell kind of takes over the interview in the last half and, and yeah. he starts talking about how there's there's so much stuff that people don't know and I have access to these documents, which is... Again, a selling point makes you want to buy a ticket and find out what's in these documents. Yes. Um, and it shows, uh, so it sh there's actual footage of him like going through all these videos of like, that are going to contribute to the movie that you're about to watch, I guess. Right. There's, so there, it's, yeah, it's building so up a Jeremy, lot. <laughs> there's Jeremy Corbell uh, sifting through, uh, filming himself sifting through box after box of George Knapp's uh, 
I tend to think that time of, <laughs> of, uh, of, of yeah. tapes and documents pertaining to the Skinwalker Ranch. And I, I tend to think, I mean, I thought it at the time since I've already seen a couple of Corbell's movies that, you know, wouldn't this time be better used uh, showing what's in those? Yes. In those tapes and just telling us you have all this stuff, showing a quick picture of it because they linger on it for a while. It shows him uh, kind of, he's got like a, I imagine it's part of his house, but it's like a war like a room. wall. Yeah. It's like, uh, like a police drama where, um, they've got all the, all the threads connecting each other to the map and stuff, but it's a big chalkboard with pictures taped up there. I think it even has pictures of a story I've heard about Skinwalker ranch where these, these totally circular pools of ice formed. And, um, that was not addressed at all. It in the wasn't movie. in the movie. Yeah, exactly. That was not addressed. I didn't know that until just now. Right. Until, right. You, until you mentioned it to me. And I don't know if that's because they found a scientific reason for it or they just thought it just didn't make it to the movie, but him preparing about talking about it and staring at these photos and erasing stuff on the chalkboard and writing over it and stuff was, was on there. So he was, he was working hard and if that's his scripting style, then I can see why these movies turn out this way because they, it's pretty disjointed. Yeah, exactly. And these are, these are some of the same, same complaints that we had about, uh, area 51 and Bob Lazar. Um, I forget what the exact name of that film was, but, uh, yeah. Bob he, Lazar area 51 and flying saucers or something. Yeah. Like that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just Ugh. a lot of, a lot of, information without any context or anything you know yeah um also with with patient 17 because that's about a a guy that agreed to get tested get this thing which is um supposedly an alien implant pulled out and then it's just like they present you with the stuff but you don't really know how seriously to take it because there's nothing to really back anything up any of the claims in there or anything and you know for your guys's benefit we'll be glad to go back and watch (laughs) patient 17 again and uh give us uh, give y'all our thoughts on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will be glad to anyway. So yeah, like these tapes, I wonder what's on them. We're going to find out in the next hour and 45 minutes of this movie, hour and a half left of this movie. And then it goes right into, um, <laughs> and they keep talking about this embargoed footage. So it's like the forbidden stuff, the forbidden fruits that we're about to find dive into. And then it goes right into uh the first tape. Yeah. George Knapp's first tape. Right. George Knapp's tape of this, this forbidden footage. And, uh, it's basically, yeah, it seems like an an old, like nineties newscast or something like a a news segment or something that would, of the foot of the ranch itself. He's going around there walking around inside this ranch, which is, uh, apparently in between the towns of Roosevelt and, uh, Duchesne. I think that's how you pronounce it in, uh, um, in Utah. Okay. Right. Or it's not, not maybe not in between, but it's around the Roosevelt area in Utah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Nap is walking around there and explains the whole layout of the ranch, and Nap's style of storytelling is eminently more straightforward than Corbell's, right. and I was much more engaged with the '90s footage. Than but I was with the, exactly. Yeah, it's a lot more, and and yeah, but it, most of it is footage of people talking, uh, telling some stories, um, them camping at night, and uh, because basically the thing is like new visitors or disturbing the earth seems to to draw up this phenomenon, right? And um, so they tried to do all this stuff, but 
but ultimately nothing happened. There's a lot of footage of like ducks in a lake and, and just sweeping views of, of valleys and, and stuff. And there was a, a valley, uh, there was a footage of a, um, like a backhoe or something digging up some of the right. land because I guess, yeah, digging holes, loud noises, stomping around, that kind of stuff has been, uh, has thought to bring out the paranormal activity, uh, maybe the skinwalker itself and also the UFO phenomena. Right. At least that's that's how I They kind of hinted it. at it, but they didn't really explain why they believe that or anything like that. So. Nap? You mean or Nap or Corbell. I mean, I never yeah. got a clear idea of like, hey, once I, I think what they were basing it on is the ranchers that originally owned the place and started reporting this phenomena, like when they would start putting fences in and stuff, then all of a sudden weird stuff would start happening. Right. And I think the person's name is a, they used a pseudonym, it was a Gorman or something like that, right? Right. You're better at grabbing these facts than I am here. <laughs> I, I just went with the broad strokes. But yeah, they called him Gorman. I'm not the sure what the, what the actual name is. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. Their pseudonym I think was the Gordon the Gorman family. And I was thinking about doing an episode on Skinwalker Ranch itself. That's why I wanted to leap on this movie and and hopefully it would kind of sum everything up but it is it is scattered stuff so it's hard to condense into one uh narrative you know yeah um one thing this movie did um, just to cut you off here one thing this movie did make me want to do was actually go out there yeah it actually made me want to go camping out into the uh into the basin in utah and uh maybe not to the ranch itself i hear it's pretty locked down these days Right, but um, I'm sure we could find a campground around there. So, if any of you listeners would like to uh, <laughs> fund and or uh, oh, yeah. just like to hear uh, a podcast about us camping near the Skinwalker Ranch, give us a shout on uh, <laughs> social media. Yeah, that would be fine. I'd be I'd be a little creeped out. They one of the interviewees hints that like once you let them in, that's when they come. Um, uh, what does that mean? I don't know, man. Once but, uh, you let him in, like to your body, yeah. If you or welcome your psyche, them, or uh, okay, I think you just got to be open to it, man. That gets into I'm open to it. Yeah. I am totally open to a camping trip out there. Well, yeah, but and I'm open. If to being you were pos- out there, were you? Would you? And I be and I'm open to being possessed. Because I to say that right no, now, no, not possessed, but I think like visited them, visited by them, or you know, um, I I heard a story. It wasn't mentioned in this movie again, but uh, where there was like a hippie guy that showed up on the ranch and was talking to the uh the rancher that owned it you know and he said i, I just want to go meditate and then this creature materialized and kind of chased him off and freaked him out so, i am open to that yeah i am open oh man i'd be freaked out so then uh there is later in the movie george knapp is talking about how they took him to one of the sites that had a lot of activity um and He's, you know, they left him there and put a video camera on him and, and he was sitting there and he was really freaked out. So maybe since he did not welcome the experience, uh, that's why they stayed away, you know, but cause, cause what he says is, well, I'd like to tell you something crazy happened, but, uh, all that I got visited by were mosquitoes. Right. So the Skeeter, the Skeeter's got him pretty good. Apparently. And that's kind of this movie is like a long drawn out explanation of like nothing happened. Exactly. Know? And in, then. And actually, when he said that, he said something like, no anomalies happened. And then, of course, <laughs> yeah, the, Cor- the Corbell edit is a giant subtitle that says, no anomalies happened. Like, no why would you, anomalous why, experience. No anomalous said. experience. Like, why would you do that, dude? Right. Why, why would, advertising it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway. But I think we should talk about the, the precognitive symbiote. Is that what it is? You wrote it down the... 
the idea of precognitive. Well, let's let's get to that in a second here. Let me just go through this real quick. Cause, sure. Because it goes through that old footage first, like one segment. They're they're kind of divided up into the segments of of Knapp's old documentary footage, mm-hmm. which, like you said, are much more informative and straightforward and easier to follow, basically. Yes. Um, and then, like after the first segment, then it goes back to Corbell's movie and. He just kind of explains the same thing with a lot of footage that I imagine Corbell took of the surrounding town, like a lot of old buildings and right, Decla- trucks driving by and yeah, road signs. There's and- like a derelict gas station and um, was one of the things. And then also there's some kind of footage of it looked like crystals forming and, and disintegrating or something. And I yeah. wasn't sure if he was trying to imply that that happened at the ranch or not. And I mean, it seemed like he was trying to find creative ways to put some of this footage in there. And I know? understand, like, you want to make an engaging, entertaining film, but... It, it feels like you, a ripoff at certain Right, certain it does. Point, and when yeah. you sensationalize sensationalize something that's already incredibly sensational, um, it just cheapens it. I do have a, a quote here that you wanted me to, to write down, too. Quote, Skinwalker Ranch is like the Area 51 of the paranormal. Right. So, right. that. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what was kind of intriguing to me uh, because <laughs> immediately my, 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 my BS detector goes off when I'm like, okay, this place has ghosts. This place has Bigfoot. This place right. has poltergeist activity. This place has UFOs. This place has interdimensional portals. Like it just seems like too much. Like and I might as well say, yeah, it has gnomes. It also has fairies. It right. also has... Well, don't uh, get into that, but yeah, I mean, right. I think a lot of people associate those phenomena with the UFO experience too. Yeah. That's um, one of the things that was interesting to me is that it it kind of <laughs> it is a catch-all. That's the that's yeah. the weird that's the strange thing about about uh Skinwalker Ranch basically is it yeah, it kind of mixes everything. I mean, there's stories they didn't even get into here where like apparently when they showed up and the ranchers first showed up and and got the ranch like the they original were, owners? Or yeah. Bigelow? Okay. Uh, yeah, the original owners that sold it to Bigelow. The Gormans? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Gormans. Um, the cupboards in the kitchen were locked from the inside and the outside, and, and there was a bunch of strange stuff like that, which they didn't understand at first, but they they didn't even really get too into like what the Gormans experienced because they apparently they were claiming a lot of strange stuff. You know, mm. um, I hate to leave it vague, but... Hey, you know, uh, we're just reporting on what we saw. Basically stuff in their kitchen would be moved, you know, kind of like poltergeist movie type stuff where, yeah. where objects all of a sudden would be gone. Like they'd go take a shower and then they come out and their towels gone, you know, in the other room or something. Um, or, I, uh, or I, like a spoon would, they were using would all of a sudden be in the cupboard or something like that. So, and just as an aside, I think our original intent for this podcast in general is to keep it pretty UFO related just to, to discuss, and analyze and offer opinions on the UFO phenomena. So there are lots of reported um, UFO type incidents at the Skinwalker Ranch as well that we just haven't got to yet. Well, what so, if these are all all the, the causes of uh, trans-dimensional beings or something like that? Then it could all be the same thing, you know. And maybe this is a hot spot where, like, they kind of say, like, this is where like the membrane between the two the two realms is thinnest and and things can break through. You give that any credence? Not really, man. <laughs> I, I, <don't. laughs> I knew you wouldn't. 
but that that that's kind of a claim they make there i think um that seems to be the the overriding theory about this stuff yeah um, yeah so now to be fair um a lot of the townspeople seem to have experienced uh ufos seem to be the overriding thing in the beginning that's uh, why i want not a lot of ghost there. stories or anything like that yeah right um it's supposed to be a, a ufo hot 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 spot hot spot and um like the northeastern region specifically of, of Utah, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. And then um, a lot of repetition of stuff, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of hype, man. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's take a little break here and then we'll get into some of the specific stories that they address in this movie. And we can kind of analyze that. Okay, so we just took a little break there. We discussed the uh, some of the details of a possible camping trip up there. I couldn't wait, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, well, that's behind the scenes, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, let's but let's get into you know we've been harping on on uh, Corbell enough here and and his editing style and all that good stuff. So let's get into some of the meat and potatoes of this movie here. Sure, what we learned. Um, did did these stories make an impact on you? Now, I know a lot of the main stories because I've heard them a couple times on different on different uh, like paranormal podcasts and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Wolf account. Um, the uh, is it weird the way I say Wolf Wolf the Wolf account the Wolf account. Um, Wolf. <laughs> the, uh, anyway, yeah. So and then like the cows getting locked up in that little container. Yeah, we should talk like about that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a lot of this information is presented either, like I said, secondhand, mostly these old stories. They didn't interview any of the original ranchers or anything like that. I'm not even sure if they're still with us. Right. Um, or uh, or what. So it's it's stories that happened like back in the 60s or seven, I think 70s. And um, people telling these stories, you know, these legends. Right. Um, but what happened is when these when the Gormans, the ranchers, um showed up uh started getting their their cows ready and whatnot they uh you know they were they're basically organizing their ranch building a fence and then this huge dire wolf like a huge wolf as tall as a man kind of trotted up to them friendly like and uh they didn't i've heard stories that they were petting it they weren't alarmed or anything so i don't know if that's kind of like the ufo phenomenon where like for some reason someone's not freaked out by gray beings coming in and they're like feeling comfortable because if i saw a huge wolf i would be really alarmed i would not be touching it or getting near it no and dire wolves uh for those of you who watch game of thrones are well aware that they're gigantic and uh for those of you who don't watch game of thrones they're gigantic (laughs) they are gigantic they're uh i think it's like a prehistoric wolf yes they're they've been extinct for quite a while um so apparently one of these things came up and uh, um, tried to snatch a cow away on right. the ranch. It started trying to pull a a, a, a heifer through the uh, yeah, through the bars of the fence. So they that's when they started getting alarmed. They started beating it with a stick, which seems crazy to me. Even a normal sized wolf, because I would be afraid it would just turn around, and start snapping at me. You know, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just me. I'm not a tough rancher guy type, but uh, right. But I mean, you, you got to think. These heifers are worth money, man. Serious money. So yeah, I guess yeah. some. I guess I think it was a calf actually that stuck. Yeah, its, I think you're right. It curiously stuck its nose through the bar. 
the which di- seems crazy with a huge wolf there right too, the but. dire wolf latched onto the heifers or the the calf's nose they're beating on it with a stick one of them goes and gets a gun one of the ranchers goes and gets a gun and fires shots well not just that they go and get a 357 and they start shooting at a 357 magnum i believe and uh they shoot at that doesn't do anything so they go back and get a 30 out six I don't know what that is. Me either, but I think it's a bigger rifle, basically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think a 357 Magnum is pretty big, too. That's Dirty Harry style. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, basically, these bullets are just going through it. They're not affecting it at all. Right. This wolf. And um, they're getting like progressively closer, like one shot, then they get closer, and then one shot, and then almost like, like point blank. It's, it's just kind of annoyed by them. Right. But it, eventually, it, there's no signs of it whimpering. There's no blood coming out of it or anything. Right. Until I think one of the last shots from the 30 aught six ends up rending some flesh from this thing. Right. And it kind of saunters away. It takes off. Yeah. Right. I think, I don't remember if it was calmly or not, but I think the whole wolf's demeanor was kind of calm. And um, so, so, yeah, they check out this flesh and it's like, decayed flesh or something like dead right flesh. so it was actually not just a dire wolf it was a zombie dire wolf right right um and uh and then they kind of track this this wolf and uh they track it eventually um into by a creek bed right right like it went into a creek and then just kind of disappeared in the middle of the creek like it was just sucked up into the air or something or, or it just went air. down or it was a deep creek and it swam down and right well, that was your theory, yeah. It's yeah. Like they just lost the track. But I or this whole thing never happened. <laughs> well, yeah. I've heard that theory floated before that all these stories were just to sell the property or something. But um when their calves were dying or their their cows were dying, but who knows. Um now what's interesting is they sold this property to Bigelow and then Bigelow wanted them to stay there because this entity they they keep referring it to an ent- as an entity, but uh it's a bunch of different craft showing up and stuff, but it seems like, I mean, they give the impression, yeah, not to get into the paranormal as opposed to UFO, but like that, you know, it's kind of like a poltergeist, like it chooses people and it kind of follows them around and messes with them and stuff like that, which is it's some kind of goes of, back to the skinwalker legend. Yeah. I'm sure, it's some you know? kind of intelligence. Right. Um, his wife apparently saw a dire wolf at a different time when she was driving and it, it kind of just lumbered up next to the car and was like staring at her as as tall as the car. Right. Um, which is freaky stuff, man. Well, but, I hope it at least used its turning signal. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, it's a crazy story. I mean, uh, it, it makes me think of the movie 12 Monkeys because there's this scene where he runs out into the water and then he just disappears and goes into Back to the Future. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie too much. I haven't seen it. Yeah, Bruce Willis. He's a long like time. Freaking out and he like runs into the middle of the water. He's like, this place is so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And he's splashing around and Madeline Stowe's like, is that it's the one focused on her, and then all of a sudden she stops hearing the splashing, and he's just gone. Is that the one where Brad Pitt runs around cross-eyed the whole time? Yeah. Okay. We are all monkeys. That's what he says. I do have a vague recollection of that. But I, I, I did Anywho. that movie back in the day, and the original French one is pretty cool. But um, so anyway, the uh, back to Skinwalker. Yeah, and then it goes. Uh, so so by the time they tell this story, um, we're forty-five minutes into this movie. We barely know anything about the ranch. So we're halfway through the movie almost, and uh, I don't know. It's not really paying off. So we're waiting for the climax at the end here. And um, 
And then we go to uh, Corey Sarawap, which is a, a firsthand account, which is nice. And yeah. someone relaying, relaying a story from the past. And this is someone that Earth. Jeremy Corbell is interviewing as opposed to George Knapp, because the I think George Knapp was interviewing uh, Colum, right. uh, who was relaying the story that he heard from the previous owners. Right. And I'm thinking like the main stories are ones that I'm familiar with through podcasts. Like I said, that those are probably mentioned in, in Knapp's book and gone into in a lot of detail, you know? Okay. Um, of course I'm just speculating here, but, uh, yeah. So Car- Corey Sarawap, so, so Corey is interviewed by Corbell. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And Corbell's right there on screen and everything. It's not just him sitting there talking and they, right. they draw it out. They're walking around on his front yard. Like, where did you see it? Oh yeah. It was right over there about this big, blah, blah, blah. And they stand by the basketball hoop and I made some dumb joke about the alien dunking on him. Right. And that happened. <laughs> um, and then Corey says, quote, that's an effing UFO. <laughs> and then it says that in big text on the move in the right, film, which right. is just, an odd choice. Sorry right. to keep harping on that, but there's a lot of odd choices here. There's no reason. I mean, he says it clearly. Like, if he was like, right. <laughs> then I could understand that, but instead. It's, it's kind of weird, too, because we were watching it with subtitles on, too, to make sure we could follow everything. And uh, So we got the double subtitle. Yeah. And it's double just, subtitle. It's a, it really points out the uh, the effect of the words. I mean, it would have been ridiculous anyway, but when you have it in subtitle and then on the movie subtitle, yeah, it's just uh, it's just. I don't, I don't get it, man. But what I, I, I remember about the Corey story is um, him having an overriding feeling that he shouldn't be seeing this. He kept, I remember him saying uh, a lot like this shouldn't, I shouldn't be watching this. I shouldn't, I'm, I shouldn't be seeing this UFO right now. Right. And I, he seemed pretty scared by the whole thing. But I mean, yeah, you have a huge, uh, a huge, a huge, huge flying saucer, huge flying saucer over your house. Uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be feeling like I shouldn't be seeing this either. What would you do? Would you go in and get your thirty out six, or would you go in and hide under the bed? I'd grab a stick and start whacking that <laughs> thing, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'd be freaked out. Yeah, I think I'd I would be terrified. Yeah, I think I would go for the hide under the bed method. What happened with that story? It just flew off or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it went. Uh, I think it went behind the clouds, and then it just disappeared. Or the mountains. It's it's a mountain range around there, so they tend to go behind the mountains quite a bit. And then we go we go back in a nap footage. I think is that where where Ryan Layton was he talking to Nap or Corbell? Layton was talking to. Crap! I can't remember. Uh, um. Watch the language, man. This is a family show. <laughs> I think that's okay. But. Crud. <laughs> Crud. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that was older footage, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think it was too. Uh, but it's the guy that has the Arizona sweatshirt and the Washington. I don't think it's a Washington. Hat. I don't think it's a no? Washington. Okay. Hat. I don't know no. sports teams. No, I think, it's a, I think it's a college hat. Okay. It's not the NFL team. University of Washington? Maybe. No, I don't know. I don't know, man. That's what it might be. No, I think it had a U in it, so maybe it was like Utah University or something. Oh, that would make sense. It doesn't matter, I guess. This guy's flying flags from states all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's repping from all over the Southwest. He says the same exact same thing you said, though. He said, like, it was hard for me to take the ranch, because he met with the original rancher, um, and it was hard for him to take it seriously. He's a UFO researcher, I believe. Right, and and um, his name is Ryan Layton. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, That's who we're talking about. And he... uh, he said it was hard for him to take it 
seriously because there was such a wide scope of mm-hmm. high strangeness phenomenon and it yeah. didn't make any sense, you know, and it seemed like an exaggeration. A basically. little bit too convenient for right. all this stuff to be happening. But then after he started talking to everyone around town and stuff, he said, this thing, it's got some, some merits to it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and they have some firsthand accounts of like, like there's a, like an oil tycoon or an oil business owner or something. He, yeah. He talks about it. Corbell. That, that guy's interviewed yeah. by Corbell. No, I think that was the nap footage too. I'm pretty sure, man. That was like, okay. Either way, there's a, there, there is that firsthand account um, yeah. from the, the oil guy who said he saw lights. He was driving, he's kind of new to the area and he was driving around and he saw lights and I think he was, he saw a gray, gray orb. Right. Guy, yeah. yeah, he saw an orb and he said, that thing's big, man. And yeah. I guess the local he was with was like, yeah. And he had some girlfriends that he was running around in 77, 78, uh, running around with. And and they, they used to get freaked out down by the lake by things, apparitions appearing over their heads and stuff. <laughs> I remember that specifically. <laughs> What's so funny about that? <laughs> It's hard for Tom to swallow some of these facts. I was once like you until I wasn't, Tom. That's true. Until you had an apparition appear over your head by the lake. Yeah. Um, So, um, yeah, then another, another, the co-author, I believe it is, the co-author for the, the Skinwalker book. With uh, Colm, with yeah. Nap, yeah, he Colm. he's talking about how um, the ranchers used to hear machinery noises under the ground. Um, there's there's stories about. Uh, I wonder if there's just like a military base under the ground or or something. Well, it, it wouldn't surprise me, right? Um, Even though I'm sure a lot of it's protected land, it's reser- it's there's native reservations all over the place, right? Right. Well, who knows. Our government has been less than trustworthy with Native Americans in the past, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. Um, and then they, they talk about how it's like a trickster, poltergeist spirit, you know. It's, the it's Skinwalker. Doing, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's doing like, uh, like they keep referring to it as like an entity, basically. So it's it's hard to see how that's related to UFO. Maybe UFOs are visiting us from another solar system, and then they're like, hey, there's ghosts down here. So they're, they they're are, coming to check it out. They are actually trying to investigate the Skinwalker. That could be. Ah. Um, now we're cooking with gas. So uh, I just put a note, big ups to Bigelow. Big ups to Bob Bigelow probably works better, but it doesn't matter. I don't even know what, why I wrote that. Damn. But I think they start talking to Bigelow, and he's like, yeah, this stuff's crazy, man. There's crazy stuff happening here. We got, we got scientists. We got cameras. We got... He doesn't say we got results, I don't think, but... Is this when he was talking to Nap? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is where our attention just started <laughs> kind of drifting, I think, because it, it gets mind numbing. You just get hit with all these different people telling you crazy stories that it's hard to hard to take seriously, you know. Um, so yeah, claims that an entity toys with people, but but no examples. Basically, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot. It's short on examples. Like yeah, all this stuff happens all the time. We can't give you like one specific story <laughs> or anything. Um, I wish there were more firsthand accounts. There, there are a couple, but even those are kind of vague the way they're cut together. I mean, that brings us to Janice Poigup, who uh, she talks about. It's kind of hard to follow her narrative, but I guess it was at night and the cows were disappearing or something. Yeah, they were trying to corral she, them back. She, she shines talk- a light or something. They 
to find the the whites of their eyes or you know the eyes will reflect back in the dark when you're shining a a light at them she said and then she was in a truck with her son and so they were looking for the heifers that had gotten spooked because they kept hearing them bellowing she kept using the word bellowing okay so she uh and her son sorry did i say husband i think no you said son okay her son uh went out in a truck to um go try and see what was going on with the heifers and then they got blasted with the light from above and she um breaks down in tears that Corbell is interviewing her and uh, she breaks down in tears and Corbell consoles her for a bit. And she was actually very, um, I don't even want to say, pers- I guess persuasive is the right word. I mean, yeah. I, be- I tend to believe that she, she seemed traumatized. Saw, she saw something, something freaked her out and she was scared um, to the point where she started sobbing. Now, unless it was clever editing, by Corbell, it looked like she was sobbing because of the story she had just told. Um, it turns out that her son has MS, well, and sh- she believes that the MS was caused, could have been caused by him being exposed to that light. Is right. that is that what you they got? Get, from they her get story? into that more later. I think one of the reasons she was crying is because um, she was thinking of her neighbor, because that's what it goes into next. Is her right. neighbor started okay. visiting every night after that. And she she puts it in her words like the mothership or whatever like she knows it sounds crazy you know yeah um, after she was visited by that that night so the neighbor keeps coming and checking on her and then one day he shows up and he's freaked out and his face is all red and apparently a craft approached him and shone a light down and it was like burning hot and he crawled out into the water to into try and ditch. cool himself off yeah into a ditch and okay. was splashing water on himself and right I think he uh, eventually passed away right. I, I want to say he like came down with cancer or something, but yeah. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, honestly. Um, so, yeah, it's not really clear why she was crying, but it seemed like she was started thinking of that because that was the next part of the story. And, and she right. was just, I mean, terrified, I guess, or and, and missed the dude. But uh, right. there's, a, there's a scene they, they just randomly throw in, like, yeah, we use dogs here because they have extra you know, extra senses that we don't, and they can detect stuff better than us. And that They're, never really goes anywhere or anything. Um, bio detectors, I believe. Is that what they yeah, call them? Bio yeah, detectors. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Which is true. I mean, so I had to put the note who let the dogs out. Um, <laughs> someone says, is it real or government made up? Um, we don't know. And then, uh, yes, yeah, cause it's a lot of people just talking about different phenomena or stuff they've witnessed. Um, and we kind of commented each other. If, if anyone's ever seen the Leprechaun newscast or viral video on YouTube, um, I just want to know where the gold at. It's kind of it kind of feels like that because it's just people speculating about us, just crazy stuff. I want the gold. It's like, to me, it looked like to me it looked like a leprechaun in the tree, and then the other guy goes, "Oh, you know, I think it could be the light catching off reflection. Right. What I think right. they're seeing." Anyway, that was a massive tangent, but that's what it feels like is that leprechaun scare down in Mobile, Alabama from right. 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the gold. I want the gold. Um, so, yeah, it never really, I guess it clarifies that NIDS could never really verify anything. I mean, there's there's a lot of secondhand stories. There's not a lot of evidence or or documented proof. They have... Uh, like we kind of got into, there's a 
there's some crazy snippet of just like it seems like a tower just appears out of nowhere. And they show that for a second and just kind of gloss over it after well, that. Let's 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 go back and clarify exactly what Nids is again. That's when Bigelow purchased the farm from the previous owners. He came in and set up uh, the the Nids program there, and they put at, at the Skinwalker Ranch and they put cameras and uh, uh, all sorts of detection equipment they were running science experiments like trying to grow plants and everything like that yeah that uh, seemed like he wanted to just use some footage that he had from right from nap because it showed just like beans growing and saying they tried everything but never really talking about results or anything yeah i don't know so for all we know the beans grew just fine or right they forgot I'm guessing to water they them did, and they didn't but, grow yeah uh but so it, there's a lot of footage of um of of cameras set up on posts all around the ranch and there is very little payoff from any of those cameras. Right. And that's where they say it's like a trickster because, and then uh, there's a Dr. Alexander who's talking and he uses the, he came up with the term precognitive symbiote intelligence. And that's kind of this intelligence that everyone's talking about that they believe is existing on this ranch. Um, kind of malevolent trickster demon, uh, that because there are cameras set up, uh, it knows that there are cameras set up and therefore it won't um, do anything spooky while there are cameras set he up. He said it seemed like they knew, the the intelligence knew where they were looking and it would do something like right off to the side of the, of the camera, basically. Yeah. Um, again, doesn't really say what, what it would do or anything like that, but... Um, but that's so so that's the one piece of camera footage they said they had it was these towers just appearing out of nowhere and it looks it looks spooky in the in the movie yeah i couldn't know? tell if it was a time lapse or if it was right. uh, it it was hard to tell uh they kind of glossed over that and if that that to me would be a really neat smoking gun for them to go into yeah sit down and analyze it zoom in on it i mean right let's take a look it, at it was yeah. it just like a rainstorm suddenly like a spot rainstorm it or could something have been or? just a rainstorm or it could have just been Wind. fog, like something that f fog was obscuring and then right. uh the fog went past it could have just been like a rock formation that it was looked kind of by fog like hazy and dark right with like i mean it looked vaguely like buildings but they said it looked like the twin towers which which is interesting if you if you if you know about the mothman prophecies or anything like that i mean uh not familiar <laughs> maybe it was warning about the twin towers or something um yeah i don't know man that's very speculative that. though but all i know is that there's this footage i don't know if it was a series of photographs that were uh, put together or right. if it was film uh, but, but it was kind of hazy looking right yeah um, it was and uh, so that was one thing I thought that uh, should have been <clears throat> elaborated on a lot more by Corbell and or Knapp that footage itself uh, yeah. um, also there was a, a still frame of some kind of saucer thing yeah they well. showed a like a second clip of like a, a glowing ball of light moving yeah. through the air it did look kind of like a laser pointer or something like that. Huh? Yeah, it wasn't. It was hard to tell. There was no background for reference or anything that. I and that was tell. like a quick montage that lasted like. And that's all. Thirty the, seconds at most. Yeah, but more like fifteen seconds. So or something. that that was the uh, entirety of all the footage that uh, Nids was able to capture. Right. At at least that's all I was shown in the movie that um, during the twenty years that Nids was there. Now, one thing that they did see, and I think I think this is addressed in the book as well, um, from what I've heard, but uh, 
there were a couple of researchers that saw now. So there was like a cluster of houses near the middle of the property, I guess, where, yes. where a lot of the uh, incidents happened. Yes. And, and they see a lot, they called it like a, a yellow or an orange globe. Right. So what they speculate is like a, uh, a portal or something, but basically like a glowing orb. Um, they could see like the ranchers claim they could see like a, an alien sky through it or a, a different sky when they looked through it. Yeah. Um, and so these scientists were watching it one night and they claimed that they saw, saw this portal open up like four feet above the ground. And then a huge kind of two, you know, humanoid creature dropped out that had no neck, well, no it, head. <laughs> right. It, it, it crawled, crawled out. Yeah. It kind of, I'm doing like a, a swimming motion with my hand, like parting, like, right. a, like, a, like the breast stroke. I'm doing the breast stroke with my hand, right. um, to get out of this portal. Um, and this, of course, was not filmed or no. anything. Uh, and I believe one of them was looking through infrared goggles and one of, or like night vision, and one of them was looking with the naked eye. It looked like just a yellow light to the naked eye, but the infrared guy could see the creature come out. I, I think I read that somewhere else. I don't think that was addressed in the movie. Um, and then the thing just kind of closed in on itself and was like a pinpoint of light and just faded away or something, which the portal. Yeah. yeah which they said that researchers say that's what a wormhole would exactly what a wormhole would look like. So, yeah. Hey, okay. Well, if they had footage of it, that'd be great. But right. Right. Otherwise it's just a story. huh? And I'm sure they were wanting, they're out there wanting to see all sorts of stuff. I mean, and if you can't tell, I mean, you become kind of numb to these stories because they just keep hitting you with all these different strange stories, you know? Yeah. Um, with no documentation. Um, let's see. The only other big story, um, well, they go towards the end, they get into like the cattle mutilations, which yeah, are strange. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, now was, was there that, that cattle mutilation? Um, I don't think that was, None of that obviously happened when Nids was there, right? That cattle mutilation. No, I think I think it did. That's it why did. they have that footage because they they would rush out when they found it, you know. And okay, examine it. so whoever was on the ranch at the time called Nids because the um, because this calf had been right. mutilated. And like I said, the uh, the Gorman family is what they're calling them. The ranchers they stayed on there while Nids was there, so yeah. they were just continuing to operate. Um, which brings us to the the last real story that we have here. Um, but yeah, the cattle mutilation, it's they, so the ranchers started worrying because, you know, like you said, these are how they're making their livelihood is raising these cattle. And, uh, if they're dying off, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Right. Now here's, here's the thing they said, um, Nids said, that once they got there, they did a necropsy on it, and it turns out that the cattle had the cattle's ear, which had been recently tagged with a yellow tag, uh, had been surgically removed with something like a scalpel, and also that the bones uh, looked like they were impacted with something like a machete. Um, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And also, uh, there was. Um, a leg joint that had been looks like it had been forcefully ripped out of the socket. Right. Which um, takes a lot of strength, which does take a lot of strength. Um, I did, I'm not familiar with, uh, right. Well, I've, I've done with, some with, research on <laughs> with I'm not familiar with mutilating cattle, but, um, 
I assume it's pretty tough to just yank a cattle's leg out of the out of the socket. Yeah. Um, um, they did show footage of the ball joint just laying right. there in the grass. Um, there's no blood around or anything like that, which is kind of crazy. Right. So in the span of 45 minutes, they said, um, the ranchers said that 60 pounds of flesh, or um, not just flesh, but meat, uh, was removed from this cow. Um, right. And... and and yeah, they had just seen it, right? So they know right. it was They had just it seen it. They walked, the ranchers had just seen it. They had walked away with their dog and um, they come back and their calf had been uh, just basically disemboweled and mutilated. And they show some footage, like I said, like one of them is picked pretty clean. Um, they, I think they have footage of a couple of di- these different mutilations. Um, and it was NIDS, the opinion of NIDS that the actual mutilation took place elsewhere because of the absence of blood. Uh, right. There was no blood. They did like an informal uh, experiment where blood, they dumped some blood on the ground um, and it remained there for a while. But at the site of this actual mutilation, uh, there was very little blood. All there was was a carcass. Right. Um, so I think... You know, if you want to ask, I mean, if you want my opinion on this, I think that there are a lot of sick people in this world. And I think maybe the ranchers themselves might have done that. Or I think that there might have been some rival ranchers around there. Or there might have just been an awful, disgusting human being who decided to uh, kill a cow, decided he wanted to kill something. And um, I think that's the most likely. I think it was that huge thing that crawled out of the wormhole, man. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or, or a dire wolf zombie. Yeah, that's true. Um, zombie dire wolf. No, I don't know. But seriously, it, I mean, it is mysterious because it, oh, it, it seems is. like it's, a, it's a, yeah. How would you explain all that butchering and stuff with that, with no blood? You know, so well, quickly. Um, it totally could, stripped the flesh. I mean, if I gotta I, watch that again, I, I don't remember it with a machete because that yeah. seems to point towards a human culprit. Well, the um, scalpel, the scalpel on the ear obviously points towards a human hand doing it. Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, they said that the the it was. Uh, I remember the the phrase machete was used because they could see the imprints in the bones. Okay, well, that's not as mysterious then because I don't see an alien or a, no. some creature, trickster, demon no, using a machete. Just a, now it is a mystery of what human did it and right. where they did it. But I suppose they could have picked it up in a truck. And but I mean, these cows are big too. But uh, this was a calf. Oh, it was they had just tagged okay. it. Yeah, never mind then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right. Then uh, it's mysterious, but uh, yeah, there could be some plausible explanations. That's I a guess. bummer. Yeah, it's a bummer. And um, it's mysterious. They didn't hear anything. Huh, who knows? Um, but it reminds me of Mirage Man, you know, where uh, they were talking about cat mutilation in that movie as well. Uh-huh. And the the officer said he found like um, basically material that like military could have used to to mutilate the cattle, I think like gloves and uh, yeah, some inject some syringes or something like that right. to inject uh, drugs in them. Right. Um, I've been I've been reading a little bit about cattle mutilations and stuff to try to see if we could do an episode out of it. You know, it's been popping up in the news in the last month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's mysterious stuff. I mean, it's hard to hard yeah, to I'd know what to, to make of it. Sure, I'd um, be willing to. Do they talk about like it being cored out or anything cauterized or anything like like cored? I mean, like coring out like the anus or or the genital. Like I know a lot of them, the genitals were removed and at the Skinwalker Ranch and stuff. But I don't think the wounds were cauterized like by not a laser this, or anything no, like that. Not that they didn't mention that with this one. Yeah, the calf. 
Weird, man. Um, so like the last story, like I said, the, uh, I got this note here too. I think, um, they were talking about people getting, this is when they, they reintroduce, um, what was her name? Poi, Poigum, uh, Janice Poigup. Yeah. And, uh, and her son. And then they interview him and talk about, uh, he had MS. Is that yeah, right? I think yeah. It was MS. And they're thinking it might be from these lights. They're talking about birds getting sick from the lights. And I just had to note that. Cause I was like, what, what, what how did, how do they verify that? But then I started hearing like bird noises in the background of the interview. So I think maybe they have pet birds. That yeah. Yeah. They must've had a cockatiel or a parrot or something. But then, it, you know, it seems like anytime someone's getting sick, they're blaming these lights here. So I don't well, know. The, I think it's also interesting to note that the sun is less emphatic. Yeah, that's true. MS he seemed a little embarrassed. He was kind of like, or... I don't know. <laughs> they're yeah, like, yeah. so do you think, I think Corbell asked him, he's like, Hey, do you, do you think the, your this was your condition is caused by this and he's like i don't know yeah it might have been more like oh that's what my mom thinks or something yeah. huh? um, i don't know if you made note of this at all but mm-hmm. i think there is another story that we need to talk about in here and it's the one where they find the four cows inside the well that's what i was gonna say yeah okay um they uh yeah i guess i didn't write anything about that but um basically so the the, the Gormans. Gormans, yeah, they're they're worried because their cattle's disappearing, and they're they're driving out to town to resupply one day, and they drive by their four like prize studs, I believe is what they are. They're, these are big bulls, right? Yeah, big big bulls, and they're in like a they're in their pen. they're in a corral, yeah, and um and there's like a little like kind of trailer or something that's attached to the the corral, yes, which which has a door with a big bolt and latch on it, uh, or a big latch on it basically, um. And the wife says to the rancher, like, well, I just hope nothing happens to these guys, you know, because these are our money makers here. And then they're gone for like an hour or whatever. They come back and they're, the cows are not in there anymore. The cows so, are missing from the corral. Right. So they, they go to the corral and they're, they're snooping around and they open up the trailer and all four of them are stuffed in there. Yeah. All and they're four. just kind of calm and like in a daze almost. And then all of a sudden they just snap out of it and like rush out of the trailer, start freaking out. And I think they kicked down the, 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 the oxen or whatever you want to call them, kicked the side out of the trailer. Oh really? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I remember because, uh, uh, Colum showed that, that like piece of wood that was up against the side of the trailer. Okay. I think they pretty much busted out of the side, but he was emphasizing how difficult it would be to get one of these things in a confined space, let alone four of them in a very small confined space. And I think it's important to note also that this trailer was, God, my, my, I'm just guessing here, but it looked to me like maybe 10 by 10. Yeah. I wouldn't want to try to get just like a a horse in there or anything. Right. I mean, four oxen. So if this really did happen, uh, that is super mysterious and I don't know how or why, uh, someone it, would do that. And again, they got the NIDS team out there cause the NIDS was, were on the ranch at the time. And I mean, they showed up late and like you said, they don't have any photos from the time or anything like that. No, no, no evidence. They didn't take Nothing. a picture. They didn't take a picture of the cows inside the trailer. There is a picture of the cows once they've been, um, put back into the corral right. and it just looks like a cow staring at me. I don't know if it looks dazed. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it looked that, 
confused or did they pissed off or anything did they mention that the fence posts itself the corral were were magnetized for like a week after that or something like they that? they did mention that and uh of course Again, no they, pictures of a wrench hanging off it or no anything. and of course they did not think to demonstrate like with i don't know using magnetic readings magnetometer or whatever it is or right they didn't put their belt buckle up against the the pen to show that, which so. seems obvious to me not being a researcher or anything but if you're uh, out to document stuff if you're a scientist you document stuff man and i i guess that could have been faked too but yeah a magnetometer if that's if there is such a thing yeah is, just yeah. uh video you know film somebody putting that up to it or something yeah take a photo i don't know um so, but anyway, yeah, it would be impossible seemingly to to corral these these four beasts into that small container by himself, and it didn't look like it had gone through the door that that leads to the corral either. Right, that was another point they were making. It looked like the door um, there were cobwebs on it, I believe. Colm said, right. so it looked like the 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 door to the trailer hadn't uh, been opened recently so it's almost like they were teleported in there somehow but again we got to take the gorman's words for it basically right exactly so i don't know where that leaves you like most of these you got to take somebody's words for it and we don't even meet the gorman's so no we don't it's hard to uh it's hard to take them seriously i mean these are incredible stories it's like you said about the bob lazar video it's uh you can't get cute with this stuff you know it's put up or shut up yeah agreed Um, um, so, and they kind of mentioned in the beginning of the movie, like Knapp says, like, you know, your book did not convince me. He says, well, I, I, I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm just telling you a story of what happened. Right. I'm so, just here to document it. So, right. well, I, I, for what it's worth, I tend to, uh, to trust Knapp's word more than, uh, Corbell. But, well, the, the last thing they do is they go into the new owners. They rest, they, uh, sorry, I just remember this, but, uh, they get the new owners there, and this is where Robbie Williams comes in too. Right. Um, they got this guy. They kind of cut his head off. They give him a scary robot voice. He's the new owner. He didn't want to go come forward to the public because Bigelow sold it to this right. new owner. And he's saying he's got a bunch of stuff. He's pretty excited about it. Um, he shows some photos of some UFOs and stuff supposedly taken in the area, which are again the second most intriguing thing besides the NIDS footage that you see for fifteen seconds or whatever. Right. Um, they kind of gloss, gloss over that real quick. And then it just shows a bunch of footage of, uh, Corbell sitting in like an old building saying, wow, the stuff that happened here. Yeah. And, uh, smoking cigarettes with Robbie Williams and just kind of, I mean, that's it basically. And then they camp out, which you saw. Yeah. And George Knapp is with him too. Right. And, um, they're, all of them are kind of remarking, Hey, I hope nothing leaves with us here. Um, Right. They want something to happen, but they don't want anything. Like, I, I guess what they're implying is they don't want a poltergeist. A ghost will follow you home. Right. I mean, that's that's the thing with Skinwalker Ranch. They're talking about skinwalkers or demons, basically. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> what about demons flying UFOs, man? That's scary. Um, they mentioned Bigfoot a couple times in the beginning of the movie. They never really paid off on that. Nope. Um. So, like, the note I have towards the end here is um, I wish there were more stories and testimonials and less nothing, basically. Right. <laughs> Just like a 
There was one more um, mm-hmm. from the woman. They only gave her first name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was she, talking about... Um, she was a member of like the, the Native tribe, I think. Yes, yeah, right? so I think she was living on the reservation near there, and she said that uh, she was in her house, um, and she looked out her kitchen window and saw some lights and then experienced some missing time and was just kind of monging out, staring at her microwave when she came to. Yeah, she woke up at like 8 a.m. or something and... Uh, was staring at her, not her microwave, but her oven, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's that story, too. Um, and then it kind of ends on the, uh, the the To The Stars Academy videos again, kind of playing them echoey and stuff and, and hinting like, this is real, man. Right. I'm not disputing that the To The Stars videos are real. Right. Just... I don't know how they're related at all. No. But it's kind of driving home the point that he says in the beginning of his movie is like, well, there's stuff out there that you just have to understand that you don't understand. <laughs> right. Um, I'm not disputing that either. Right. But so I am as I just yet, don't <laughs> I'm as yet convinced, man. And like I said, I wish um this would have been a George Knapp production. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like it could have been. It it seems like like uh, Corp- it basically was. I mean, an hour of it is his footage, and an right. hour of it is that's another is thing. Kind of ad ad libbing about it or whatever, interviewing some more people. But that's another thing we really need to emphasize is a majority of this movie is George Knapp footage, and uh, I think Corbell is an unnecessary middleman. Even though Knapp is kind of a middleman in a way, uh, being an investigative reporter, this. Um, uh, Corbell doing an investigative film about an investigative reporter uh, just adds an, another level of unnecessary complexity. And honestly, it's like to the Stars Academy. It's it's a lot of promises with not a lot of payoff. I mean, like I said, those videos are cool. I mean, they have this, you know, to the start. It's even the same videos, you know, that are the real payoff here. Yeah. Um, and then it's always like, well, Man, the stories I could tell you, but my hands were tied. I'm sorry, folks. Right. I just can't um, tell you yet. Someday. Maybe we'll make a movie, another movie, and then this time you're, you're going to be blown away, man, because did you hear the stuff we just told you? And um, if you don't believe it, that's your own damn fault, you close-minded fool. Right. Um, well, Corbell was once once like us until he wasn't. So. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, a phenomenon like this, it's it's similar to the UFO phenomena in general. It's like it's something you can't observe. So all you have is stories and, and hearsay, you know? Well, you can observe it. Mm-hmm. And we have wonderful cell phone technology right now that can record stuff. So once again, I would love to go camping out there in oh, the, yeah. uh, what's it called? What basin is it? Unitong? You basin. Uinto? You, whatever that basin is out U- there. Uinto? Yeah. Um, Uinto. You into um so Grant, if you're up for a camping expedition for UFO purposes, poltergeist purposes, whatever, man. Like I just want to go try and experience something out there. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta say too, I mean, he has some good footage there that they gloss over in this movie to to spend like ten minutes talking to a guy about a UFO that showed up over his house or whatever. Right. But they do have that actual foot. They have a few footage of actual UFOs, so they could slow that down. They could stop it, zoom in on it. I mean, there's some Analyze evidence it. there, yeah. you know, unless unless they're afraid to show us more detail, which seems conceivable. Now, why would they do that, Grant? Um, what if we were looking at some, like, trans-dimensional building that 
<laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, and um, I can't for the life of me understand why they didn't discuss that more. Right. That seems the towers thing is what I'm referring to. Yeah. I mean, these other stories, the three main ones that we went over here, you know, they they've been out for a while and we want new information, you know. We're That's hungry good. for it. Yeah. And Eager I want for it even. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess that's it. How many stars would you give this out of 10? The movie? Yeah. Would you recommend it? And how many stars? Um, I would recommend about maybe 10 or 15 minutes of this movie out of the two hours. So yeah. um, I think I would give it a solid th- three. Yeah. Maybe if you know nothing about, yeah, but there's better ways to learn about Skinwalker Ranch. So I don't yeah. know, man. How about you, dude? What you give it? I'll give it a 4.4, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. That I don't, seems good. I, yeah, I was, yeah, it's boring. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really recommend it to anybody. I don't really see the point of it. I mean, I guess if you're really interested in it and you want to see yeah. some, some dead cow. And as I said, and in case you guys can't tell, I am now super fired up about camping. <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave thank, it at that. I so think. thank you, Jeremy Corbell, for getting me fired up for camping. You ever been to Utah? No. Oh, it's 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 beautiful. It's cool. nice. Yeah, big sky country. I think. Nice. I mean, not really, but you know. well, it seems like we could at least see some beautiful constellations, if not some unidentified flying objects or unidentified air, aerial phenomena. Yeah, and they had some good landscape photography in this movie, cinematography. You know. Yeah. Um. It gave that big open eerie feeling, I think. And and it showed some of the old buildings, but I mean there's there's nothing there, you know. <laughs> I mean Yeah. It wasn't much of a story, honestly. I yeah, that's not the right way to put it. But I think you got it after we've been talking about it for an hour and twenty minutes. So uh All right. This is me, Grant, signing off. This is me, Tom. Mwah. Take care of yourselves, guys. Bye.